I'm Andrew O'Hagan, host of a new podcast from the London Review of Books. It's about the bloodiest and most controversial event of the Falklands War, the sinking of the General Belgrano. Margaret Thatcher was accused of a war crime. The truth would only emerge in the pages of a private diary. This is the Belgrano Diary. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to the London Review Bookshop podcast. To find out about our upcoming events, visit londonreviewbookshop.co.uk forward slash events. Uh, thank you. Good evening, everybody. It's, um, it's always a cliche uh, to say it's an honour and a privilege to be here. And I don't know of an original different way to say that, but it really is because uh, I've read this man's book in the last month and... Um, not only am I very lucky to be here, but also, let me tell you, you're very lucky to be here too. Uh, so um, basically, just a, a little summary of the format. I'm going to do a little Q&A, a conversation with Jorge for the next 30 to 40 minutes or so. Uh, and then we'll open the floor up for, for questions. I'm assuming some people have read the book. I'm assuming some people know a little bit about what the book is about and maybe some people don't know very much at all. So just simply as a summary, this book is about the assassination of six Jesuit priests in November 1989 uh, and their housekeeper and her daughter uh, in the <coughs> University of Central America in San Salvador uh, at the hands of a government-sponsored death squad. Um, it will be uh, untrue to say... This is the only event of its kind. We've had the assassination of Oscar Romero before him in 1980. In 1977, we had the assassination of Father Rutilio Grande. These events in El Salvador, particularly during the Civil War of 1980 to 1992, were unfortunately not just exceptional, but they came to become quite common. We even had four, uh, a number of American nuns who were raped and murdered in 1980. It's It's been a brutal recent history in this country uh, and one which this book does so much uh, to, to describe and to capture the atmosphere of, of um, what is happening in that small but incredibly important um, country, important in terms of geopolitics because basically uh, it's very clear in this book the role of the United States in not wanting another Cuba and another Nicaragua was one of the principal reasons why the army were able to prosecute this war uh, so murderously uh, and, and to uh, kill so many innocent people. My connection to El Salvador is a fairly recent one. Uh, I only went there for the first time in 2014, and by coincidence or fate, uh, it was to commemorate the 25th anniversary of those fallen Jesuits. Uh, and I've been every year since um, trying to help to resuscitate um, a radio station that was crushed in the Civil War and which is now beginning to flourish again. And um, it's been one of the things in recent years that has given my life a sense of purpose and meaning and when I was asked to do this, I just couldn't wait to accept it because El Salvador has a very, very special place uh, in my heart. Um, that's no exaggeration. So, um, Jorge, first question to you is, you were a 16-year-old boy when these events took place. Can you remember that day and the subsequent days? How did this affect you, your friends, and your family? Sí, look. Lo recuerdo perfectamente. Eh, recuerdo el, el momento exacto cuando llega la noticia. Eh, me encontraba en la casa de un... Eh, 
A ver, el contexto era que estaba había una ofensiva militar a gran escala, en un momento álgido de la guerra en El Salvador, y eh, estábamos refugiados en las casas, ¿no? Pero solía cruzarme la calle para ir a la casa de un amigo, y este amigo, que era un poco mayor que yo, estudiaba en el Colegio Jesuita de El Salvador, y recuerdo que su padre llegó y le dijo que habían, que habían asesinado a los jesuitas, que acababa de oírlo en, el, en, el, en la radio. Y como cosa curiosa, el padre también le, le decía que en la radio habían dicho que habían sido los, el, el ejército revolucionario que los había asesinado, el FMLN, porque los habían traicionado. Así que desde el primer instante, bueno, se, la desinformación con respecto al caso se llevó a cabo desde el primer instante. So, uh, yes, I do remember uh, this uh, moment very well. I actually remember the exact moment when I heard the news. Um, there was at the time a large-scale military offense taking place in that stage of the war in El Salvador, and that's why we were all at home. So we were seeking refuge in our own homes. However, I was at that moment crossing the road, because I was going to a friend's house. Um, my friend was a student at the Jesuit school, and it was his father who came and gave us the news. He said that he had heard on the radio what happened, and uh, from the very first moment, what they were saying was, was that it was the Revolutionary Army that had murdered them because of treason. So the misinformation was actually um, going on from the very first moment. Um, the book was published in 2015 and received this extraordinarily prestigious prize, uh, the Real Academia Española, in 2016. But before you received that prize, um, you had to leave El Salvador quite dramatically. What happened? Where did you go to? And what is your current situation in terms of your relationship with your country? Bueno, eh, publicar ciertos temas en El Salvador es, es todavía difícil, ¿no? Y provoca ciertas reacciones. Lo que tenía es, este libro que, que creo que provocó que esto, estas reacciones fueran un poco más allá y que fue lo que me llevó a abandonar mi país, es que el que era presidente en ese momento, Alfredo Cristiani, aceptó darme una entrevista. Y en esa entrevista eh, yo le pregunté a, a todo lo que quería saber sobre los hechos y él tuvo a bien responderme y mencionó pues quiénes habían sido los asesinos, quiénes habían dado la orden, bueno. Y esa, esa entrevista que está grabada, bueno, eh, convulsionó todo, ¿no? Porque no solo lo del libro, sino también mi vida, por puesto que hay un juicio ahora mismo abierto en la Audiencia Nacional Española en contra de los asesinos y tuve que ir al juicio porque me llamó el juez para, para participar ¿no? y eso me sacó del ámbito de la literatura y me llevó a un ámbito que yo no esperaba y, y bueno, hizo que, que mi vida cambiara radicalmente so, um Publishing and writing about certain topics in El Salvador is uh, difficult and it causes certain um, reactions and consequences. The reason why this book uh, triggered all this and then caused me to actually leave my country was that in um, preparing for the book, I interviewed Alfredo Cristiani, who was the president of El Salvador at the time of the murders. And in this interview, I got to ask him all the questions that I wanted to ask, and he actually answered all my questions. And he uh, gave me information about who the murderers were, who gave the orders, and so on and so on. And now this was a recorded interview. So it was this interview more than the book itself that triggered all this sequence of events. There's even an ongoing trial right now um, against these um, murderers, and it was even called to appear in court. So with everything that happened, I was sort of pulled away from the world of literature and into this other world where I had to do these things. Um, so where did you end up living? And do you have any plans one day to return to El Salvador? Sí, bueno, yo... 
he ido ya una vez desde que sucedieron los hechos. Obviamente, eh, antes de ir, o sea, desde que iniciaron estos hechos, yo estaba en contacto con, con las autoridades del gobierno de España y llegó un momento en que ellos me dijeron que podía, podía bajo ciertas circunstancias, podía volver. Fue la Navidad pasada y bueno, esta Navidad pienso también volver a Salvador, siempre, bueno, con cierto grado de discreción, pero creo que lo peor ha, ha pasado. Um, well, I've been back once since then. Um, even before um, going back, I had been in touch with the Spanish authorities who said that um, in the right circumstances I would be able to go. So I went back for last Christmas and I'm planning to go back next Christmas. Um, however, I had to be very discreet about this. Um, you've won so many prizes for poetry and also for your um, long-form writing in your own country. I've, I've lost count of how many prizes you've won, even before winning the, um, the big prize uh, in Spain for this. But when, when did the idea of writing a novel about this story come into your mind? And wh why did you want to commit this into the form of, of, of a novel uh, because it's one of the most contentious and controversial and, and um, what's the right word? It's algo que toca el nervio sensible. It puts a finger on a real nerve. Um, so why, why a novel and when did the idea come to you to write this? Hay una cosa que sucede en El Salvador que hay demasiado silencio hacia las historias importantes. En el año 32 hay una masacre terrible que, que, que cambia la, la cultura de Salvador. Se asesinan en enero de 1932, casi se cree que entre 25 y 30 mil indígenas. En ese momento éramos una nación de 2 millones y medio de habitantes, así que era muy significativo. Y aunque no lo hubiera sido, bueno, un asesinato de esa magnitud siempre es importante. Luego suceden todos estos hechos de los 80. Esta es una masacre, pero hubo muchas. Y todo se encierra en el silencio. Y mi intención de que fuera una novela, eh, de contar esa historia de esta manera, era porque quería traer esa historia al presente. Quería que eso que se estaba olvidando, eh, pues volviera a existir, ¿no? Y se hablara de ella. Y que no queda... Es un crimen que es impune, que está impune en estos momentos... Y, y de, me hacía la, tenía ilusión de que ese, aunque sea contar la historia, eh, fuera una especie de, no sé, de, de ir contra esa impunidad. So the thing about El Salvador is that there is a lot of silence around very important um, events and stories. For example, in 1932. Uh, there was this big massacre in January of 1932. Between 25,000 and 30,000 indigenous people were murdered. So out of a population of a little over 32 million, it's a big portion of the population. And still, this large number of people is a really serious um, event. Then in the 1980s, we have this massacre, uh, which was one of many, unfortunately. So there's this sort of shroud of silence around in all these Um, events and incidents. So the idea of writing this novel and of telling this story was to bring all this back into the present because we are forgetting what happened. So I wanted to sort of bring it to life again as a way of fighting the impunity that also surrounds all this. Um, I, I've worked uh, in television current affairs I'm really a journalist I'm not a, a writer of novels and I wanted to ask you is this a pure novel or is it also a work of journalism because um, El País the Spanish newspaper described your writing as eficaz y poética that's a very interesting combination um, eficaz is functional it means efficient it's a bit like that phrase um campaigning in poetry but governing in prose and there is in this book uh, is there not Jorge an interesting contrast of styles between a very self-conscious but beautiful poetic style 
and also just sheer good investigation. Sí, precisamente es una con, es una combinación de, de ambas cosas. Yo me veía a mí mismo como un director de orquesta que tenía que dar voces a los protagonistas sí. de la historia, ¿no? Pero cuando tenía que hablar del contexto, cuando quería contar el contexto de lo que estaba sucediendo, pues el, el investigador daba paso al, al literato, ¿no? Y era un juego como un contrapunto constante entre, entre uno y otro. So, actually, yes, it is a combination of both. Um, I like to see myself or think of myself as the conductor of an orchestra that's giving voice to the different protagonists. Um, but then at the same time, I had to tell the context of what was going on. So the researcher gives way to the writer and then uh, back again. So it's this constant play about the two roles that are in the book. Um. This um, book has been quite beautifully translated. I have to say it was a real joy to read the English first and then read the Spanish. Uh, and I just wanted to share with you an example of Jorge's more um, poetic style. This is a scene in the book just hours after the assassination uh, where there is a woman sitting in a classroom uh, alone contemplating what has happened just a few hours beforehand in the university. She sat on the edge of a chair behind a desk and stayed there a while, contemplating the classroom, wondering if any moment one or two students would appear and mistake her for a teacher. That is when she understood, in a moment of lucidity, that the aroma she had detected from that morning at breakfast was blood. That thought exploded inside her brain, leaving her appalled. The smell of blood was in the wind like a stain on the wall, and there was gunpowder too, and she realized that the trees smelt different and were no longer fresh. That earthy, metallic smell was spreading everywhere, clinging to the network of branches. Blood and gunpowder, that is what the university has smelled of all morning and into the afternoon. And she found it abhorrent. A question, Jorge, about the motive behind these assassinations. You suggest in the book that um, Ignacio Elacoria, the chief, if you, might, if you might put it this way, the, the person who'd take most responsibility for trying to negotiate peace mm. became a target simply because there were so many people making money out of this war mm. and people did not want the war to stop. Yeah. Would, it, would it have been acceptable just to eliminate El Correa by himself without leaving any witnesses, or was the target the whole Jesuit community in the university? What, what is your understanding? Well, creo que cualquier respuesta que dé es una mera especulación, pero creo que el objetivo era ella, ella curía. Ella curía estaba construyendo, había empezado negociaciones entre el gobierno y la guerrilla para construir la paz, ¿no? a pedido del propio gobierno. Y creo que los militares iban tras él y querían eliminarlo a él porque de alguna manera creían que eliminándolo a él se eliminaría el puente hacia la paz. Eh, y creo que él era el principal objetivo. Eh, eso, eso es lo... Bueno, estoy bastante convencido de ello. Y creo que si él se hubiera encontrado solo en una casa, pues hubieran ido por él y no hubieran hecho nada contra el resto de los jesuitas. Es una especulación, pero es lo, es lo que creo. Era el hombre importante. Um, well, I think that any answer that I could give you is mere speculation on my part, but I would say that El Agria was the main target. He had already started uh, certain peace negotiations between the government and the guerrilla, and I think that the military thought that 
by killing him, they would destroy this path to peace that he was building. So, yes, I would say that in my understanding, he was the main target. If he had been alone in a house, perhaps they would only kill him and not everybody else. That's my opinion. And yet, ironically, you also suggest in the book that the revulsion of the international community to these acts was the beginning of the end of this war because people began to take away their support for prosecuting the war and particularly the revulsion about the killing of um, the housekeeper and her daughter, mm-hmm. pure innocence. I mean, they were all innocents, but they could not be accused of being communists and of being Marxist priests. Ah. They were just simply in the wrong place yes. at the wrong time. Sí. Pues sí. O sea, ellas no, no tenían absolutamente nada que ver y estaban en el lugar y el momento equivocado. De hecho, hay, hay una cosa curiosa. Eh, Lucía Serna, que es la... Hay una sola te, un solo testigo para el asesinato. Lucía Serna había llegado a esconderse a, a, a la universidad porque la zona donde ella estaba había sido bombardeada por el ejército. Y luego el expresidente Cristiani me comentó que ese bombardeo no había sido autorizado por la Junta Militar, por el, el, por el, estado, por el estado Mayor, sino que había sido a iniciativa propia de, un, de uno de los militares. Y cómo el destino hace que esa, esa acción premeditada eh, produzca una única testigo. Que de la, del asesinato que no, no hay absolutamente más porque todos los que estaban en el lugar los asesinaron los mataron a todos salvo ella que estaba en un lugar aledaño y no sabían que estaba ahí um, so um, yes I think that that's it and uh, I think that um, these uh, two innocent people who had nothing to do with it were in the wrong place and at the wrong time um, There was only one, inter- one witness to what happened, and it is quite curious, Lucia Serna, who was hiding in the university precisely because the area where she was had been bombed by the army. And then President Cristiani in their interview told me that the uh, Joint Chiefs had never authorized that bombing. So it was this premeditated decision that uh, led to leaving one witness behind that nobody knew was there. She was in a place next to where the murder took place, but nobody knew that she was there. I think another theme that's very uh, crucial and, and central to this book, apart from the physical horror of, of torture and bodies uh, uh, suffering, but also the psychological um, nightmare of living in a society where you don't know who to believe, where truth is always almost impossible to arrive at and, and time and again in this book people are confused are these people soldiers or are they guerrillas are they wearing what kind of clothes it, it seems to be there's, there's, a, there's a deliberate attempt always by the people who carried these acts out to say oh it was the FMLN who did it mm-hmm. it wasn't us and they so tell this story to the population that people don't know who and what to believe And that is a very difficult place to be in, in the middle of a civil war, when you can't trust anything or anybody. Do you have memories of that yourself, growing up with your family, that sort of atmosphere? No era exactamente una confusión, porque al estar de un lado, solo teníamos una, una, una perspectiva de, de las cosas, ¿no? Y no había mucha información, era una, en los, las décadas de los 80, no había internet. Lo que sí había... Bueno, era el ambiente de una guerra y, y sucedían las cosas de, de, de una guerra, ¿no? O sea, creo que la gente hablaba muy poco al respecto. Yo recuerdo siempre a, a los mayores hablando en voz baja sobre estos temas y lo mejor era no mencionar cosas, ¿no? Luego a, había orejas, les llamaban a muchos espías y entonces, bueno, no, no se comentaba tanto de esto. Entonces... Tal vez por mi edad no recuerdo tanto ese, esa cosa de confusión. Eh, lo que conté al principio, cuando dan la noticia de los jesuitas que los ha asesinado el FMLN, pues yo simplemente la recibo como la dieron ¿no? y la creo. 
es con el tiempo que, me, que comienzan a existir los matices, las protestas, las voces, cuando uno va formándose una idea distinta y puede haber cierto grado de confusión ahí, pero no recuerdo eso especialmente. Supongo que es por la edad que, bueno, tenía 14, 15, 16, no era demasiado reflexivo en ese sentido. Um, so, I don't quite recall this state of atmosphere of confusion, maybe particularly because uh, being sort of one-sided and standing on one side of things, we only had one point of view. Um, there wasn't either lots of information available. It was the 1980s. There was no internet. Uh, there was a state of war, and the things that usually happen in war happened. Um, however, uh, I remember that people talked very little about it. Even our elders, they were just speaking whispers, who would say. Even the orejas or the ears who were the spies were there. So perhaps because of my age, I don't recall a, such a strong um, atmosphere of confusion. Um, however, when the news broke, yes, uh, I believe what I was told, as I said. And then it was only over time that all these nuances and different perspectives and point of view started coming out that I started sensing this sense of confusion. Maybe it had to do with my age. I was 14, 15 years old, so I didn't quite follow it. It's 27 years now since the Civil War ended, and yet the only people who have been um, punished for so many of these acts are two very junior uh, members of, of the military. We don't know really who gave the orders, and I'm talking about the, the, the murder of Monsignor Romero, about Rutilio Grande. Um, we've had um, Colonel Benavides and Lieutenant Mendoza. They're the only two people, and these people weren't the principal actors. Can, can your society ever be truly at peace when the Truth and Justice Commission and all the processes still haven't named and found the right people? A ver, yo creo que se firmaron unos acuerdos de paz, pero en realidad nunca hemos tenido una paz. Porque hemos construido una sociedad sobre la impunidad. Desde 1932 hasta la fecha se siguen cometiendo asesinatos pero nunca hay un culpable, nunca hay un condenado. Hubieron muchas masacres en El Salvador en la, en la década de los 80 y antes, y no, no hubo, no solo este, ¿no? el asesinato de Monseñor, el asesinato de, bueno, múltiples masacres en el Zumpul, en el, bueno, muchísimas, y nunca hubo absolutamente nada. Eh, condenan a estas personas por ejecutar el crimen, pero no condena a quienes lo ordenaron. Y nos... ahora somos uno de los países más peligrosos del mundo. De hecho, en 2012, The Guardian nos nombra el país más peligroso del mundo. Teníamos en ese momento 24 asesinatos al día. O sea, no, no tenemos una cultura de paz. No vivimos en un país en paz. Eh, vivimos en una sociedad sombría, oscura, donde el crimen es el pan de cada día. Así que, aunque se firmaron los acuerdos, la paz es que no llegó nunca. Um, I think that um, some peace agreements were signed, but actually we never had any peace. Um, this is ours is a society that's built on impunity. From 1932 to this day, uh, lots of people have been murdered. Um, Guilties have not been found and they have not been convicted either. We had Monsignor's death, many massacres, many different massacres such as Sumpus and so on and so on. And yet nothing happened. So we may know who pulled the trigger, but we don't know who gave the order for that. Um, even to this day, our country is one of the most dangerous countries in the world. In 2012, the Guardian named El Salvador as the most dangerous country in the world where 24 people were being murdered every single day. So I don't think that we have any peace. Actually, we live in a very dark society. How has this series of events in 1989, how has now this left the legacy of the standing of the Jesuits in your country? Are they seen in a particular special 
way because of, of the sacrifice that these men made with their lives. A ver, eh, yo creo que eh, yo lo que siento es un vacío enorme en la sociedad. Uh -huh. Los jesuitas eran parte importante y creo que nunca se, nos llegamos a recuperar de la muerte de estas personas de la misma manera que no nos llegamos a recuperar de la muerte de Monseñor Romero. Hay un vacío importante que no ha sabido llenarse, ¿no? Y de hecho, también era un vacío de la memoria, porque cuando yo decido escribir esta novela, es que el tema de los jesuitas estaba un poco olvidado, ¿no? Y una de mis ilusiones o mis intenciones era un poco recuperarlo, recuperarlo y traerlo. Eh, así que bueno, es lo... Sí, sí creo, que, creo que hay un vacío, que no, un vacío intelectual, un vacío de análisis político, análisis coyuntural, que no existe en este país o no, no existe a ese nivel. Um, I think that there is a really big void in our society. The Jesuits were a very important part of our society and I don't think that we have gotten over their death, not uh, these uh, death nor Monsignor Romero's either. And this void has never been filled. But we also missing the memory of it. So the Jesuits have or were almost forgotten. And maybe that was, that was one of the goals that led me to write this book, because I wanted to keep the memory of what happened alive. I think that there's an intellectual void in our country, as well as we're missing political analysis and situational analysis and so on. In the book, there is something called a cateo, which is like a search that happens before these men are killed. And it's very eerie, very mysterious, because members of the army come in at about half past six in the evening, and they're basically looking around to see who's in the house. And it's all done very peacefully. And then you have these hours of waiting. And for me, this felt like Jesus in Gethsemane. It really felt like this terrible, do we stay or do we go? Do we cooperate with the authorities? We can still save our lives if we want to. Um, I don't know, Jorge, whether this was your intention. Did you? It, this, it, I, I get the impression this isn't particularly, you're not inspired by a religious theme, but d does it surprise you that my reaction is that I found it a profoundly moving religious parallel? Yeah? Sí, mi intención nunca fue escribir una novela religiosa. Yo quería contar los hechos como, como habían sucedido. Lo que sucede es que los hechos son un sacrificio humano. Un sacrificio humano basado en una convicción religiosa. Estos hombres, que eran hombres notables, que podían estar en cualquier universidad del mundo, Yacuría, Segundo Montes, Martín Baró, podían estar en cualquier lugar del mundo. Y eligieron quedarse en un país de Centroamérica, un país del tercer mundo, un país que asesinaba a sus sacerdotes, porque los venía asesinando desde finales de los 70. Así que ellos decidieron arriesgar su vida por este pueblo. Y es lo que cuenta la historia. O sea, es un sacrificio real. Por tanto, y como, o sea, es imposible, seas religioso o no, tengas una convicción religiosa o no, es imposible que la historia en sí misma de estos hombres no, no te provoque algo ¿no? en tu espíritu, en tu alma o, o, o en tu sentimentalidad. O sea, es, es un sacrificio real, un sacrificio humano. Porque decidieron quedarse y al final perdieron la vida. Y bueno, eso, eso es innegable. No fue mi intención escribir quería It's just that the facts that happened were actually a human sacrifice based on religious convictions. So these men, they could have been anywhere in the world. Instead, they chose to stay and live in a Central American country, in a third world country that killed priests as they have been doing since the 1970s. So they chose to risk their lives for the people. So religious or not, it's impossible not to be moved by this story, so not to be moved in your soul or in your spirit or in your heart by this human sacrifice that yeah. they made. Um, just a final question, and then we'll open um, <coughs> open this up to, to the audience. Um, 
You say El Salvador is the most dangerous country in the world. You were threatened and had to leave the country. Don't you have any fears about returning this this December? No, it's, it's my country. And no, no, well, no, 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 no. It's my country. I, it's, it's, I, I necesito volver. Um, no puedo no volver. O sea, es imposible no volver. No. Sin cautela. Sí, bueno, con cierta cautela, pero, pero no me veo en otro lugar. No. O sea, no me veo no yendo a mi propio país. Es imposible para mí eso. Um, well, it's my country. Actually, I need to go back. I cannot not go back. It's impossible for me to think of not going back. With caution, yes, but I can't think of myself not going back. Um, great. Well, here's your big chance. Um, these don't have to be questions. They can just be comments, um, statements of fact, any kind of contribution. But um, all I would ask is that you speak up loudly. Do we have a microphone? We do. Marvelous. Uh, and then um, make things not too lengthy so that uh, our translator can um, retain everything and, and, uh, and, and translate for, for Jorge. So I think you've got a hand there at the back. It's always at the back, of course. Congratulations on what sounds like a deeply moving book. I just wanted to say that sense of place in the description that Mark read out where even the trees were tainted by blood. I do believe that places keep a sense of evil for a long time. Having lived in Central Europe where the Nazis once roamed, there were clearings in woods where you just couldn't go without a shiver. Did you believe that our Earth keeps that sense of evil long after the event? Sin duda lo creo. Yo creo que mi... Mi percepción, que puede ser una percepción por completo subjetiva, una percepción poética, creo que es así. Creo que es imposible que un lugar que ha percibido ese grado de violencia como mi, mi, mi país no guarde de alguna manera esa sensación. ¿no? Eh, es un país de muertos, es un país de, de asesinatos, de violencia, y se nota, se, se puede percibir. Eh, se puede percibir eh, en, el, en El Salvador. Yo estoy, estoy convencido de, de ello. No solo en el lugar específico del asesinato que cuenta en el libro, sino en muchas regiones del país en sí mismo. Um, definitely so. And uh, it is my perception, which is, of course, subjective and also poetic, that it is actually the case. I think that it's impossible for a place to witness such violence and not still um, keep the feeling of it in it, as ha it happens in these particular places anywhere else in the country. My country is a country of dead people, of murdered people and of violence. And you sense this all around El Salvador, not, not just where these murders took place, but in many other places as well. The question is, I read the book twice, and I really liked it. But always in my mind was, and I think you were trying to ask that question, why was it in the form of a novel and not a, a chronic or a testimonial? Mm -hmm. That's my question. And my comment is about the, this vacuum you, ma you mentioned about, uh, that things were never resolved in El Salvador. It's what made the point that in El Salvador there's still a, I don't know if a large sector of the society, but there's a sector of the society that believes that the murders were right. They think that the Jesuits deserve to be killed. Still people believe it now. So not only there's a vacuum, there's an unresolved issue. You know? The truth is never known, and people live in the past because there was no real peace, you said. Okay, that's it. If one thing I could add to that, Jorge, and you raise it in the book, the fact that so many of these Jesuits were Spanish, They were not Salvadoran, and therefore they were painted as outsiders coming to dominate the country. This is what the enemies, when they tried to justify what they were doing, it was the, the old colonial mentality, you know? Primero porque fue escrito con la técnica de la novela. Yo tenía eso en mente. Por otro lado, 
para el contexto, el contexto de la guerra es siempre una recreación. Entonces, todos, todos los datos referentes al asesinato son precisos, pero están contados con la técnica de la novela. ¿no? Eh, y por eso no es una crónica, o por eso no la considero yo una crónica ni un testimonio. ¿Creía que le iba a leer mal a la gente como novela? O... Sí, esa era mi intención. Por mucho tiempo, mi intención, antes de empezar a escribir, pensaba, ¿cómo cuento este tema para que sea para que alguien de 22 años en El Salvador o 25 años en El Salvador lo lea. Y era una preocupación y lo diseñé de esa manera, por eso. Um, so, it was written as a novel with the technique of a novel because I think that whenever you are uh, writing about war, you are recreating the context. And um, I thought that the technique of the novel was best. And also, even though all factual data, all the information included regarding the murder is accurate. It's not that kind of work. I also felt that by writing a novel, I was going to get more readers. Um, before even sitting down to write it, I remember thinking, so how can I tell this story? So 20-year-olds in El Salvador are going to read it. And I felt the novel was best. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Uh, yeah, yeah. All the hands are going up now. <coughs> El Salvador has changed government recently and I was wondering about your thoughts in terms of whether you think there's going to be any change in terms of um, the justice um, that we're seeking to see in terms of you know the, the, the issues we've had during the war and um, whether there's going to be opportunity to, to, to kind of know more as well and um, And also, I wanted to ask you about your new novel. If you could um, give us a little bit of, um, of an overview or um, some thoughts about the, the new novel that is coming up next year. ¿Puedo hacerlo en español? No, está bien. No hay ninguna señal que indique de momento que vaya a haber un cambio con el nuevo gobierno. Cada nuevo gobierno uh, surge la esperanza de que hay un cambio. De hecho, acabamos de tener un gobierno de izquierda y pensamos que, que, que lo habría. Sin embargo, eh, hay un pedido de extradición a los militares culpables del asesinato que el gobierno de, de izquierda eh, no quiso acceder. Por tanto, bueno, ahora es un nuevo gobierno. No, 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 de momento no hay ninguna señal que... Que indique eso. Sobre la nueva novela, bueno, yo quise alejarme un poco de... Eh, anteriormente yo escribí un, unos libros para niños y luego de noviembre quise alejarme un poco de estos temas. Ahora he vuelto a ellos, pero, pero en ese momento que quise alejarme. Y escribí un libro de fantasía, eh, para fantasía juvenil. Y, y el libro es so, sobre una fantasía juvenil, no sé y saldrá el próximo febrero así que es algo completamente distinto a, a una novela como esta pero, pero es un poco volver a mis inicios que es algo que, que realmente me, me gusta y disfruto 
escribir? I think that every time there's a new government, we all hope that there's going to be uh, any change in these attitudes. However, uh, we just had a left, uh, leftist government, and uh, we all thought something was going to be different, and it wasn't. There's a, an extradition request in place that actually this leftist government didn't agree to. So we don't know. I don't think there's, at the moment, any indication or signs that the new government might bring on any type of change. Now, regarding my new novel, um, I, thought to, I sort of wanted to step away from uh, these topics. At the beginning of my career, I wrote uh, several children's books, uh, so I wanted to go back a little bit back to that, as I'm stepping away from the kind of novel November is. So this new book is a fantasy story for young people. And it's coming out in November. So it's sort of going back to my beginnings, something that I really enjoy writing about. Jorge, thank you. Um, yeah. I've got two questions. Re leading on to what you were saying about the impact that you wanted the book to have, especially amongst young people, have you any idea of how much impact it, it had in El Salvador specifically uh, amongst that age group? Uh, and you know, were there efforts made to distribute it more widely amongst amongst groups of people who are interested in, in reading it. And the second thing, I sort of wanted a, a, a comment as well as, as a question. Um, you mentioned Lucia Serna. Um, I was wondering whether you had managed to speak to her at all as part of your investigations. Because um, it, it was interesting what you said about why she was there, as if it was almost fate. I, I spoke to her a couple of days ago for a programme I'm making, Um, and she spoke in those terms that she was there for a purpose um, and that she wasn't scared of what she saw because she felt that all her role was was to tell the truth about what she'd seen and that she had been there for some reason and her reason was to tell the truth. So were you able to speak to people like her and apart from Christiani, were you able to speak to others who were perhaps involved in the decision making. Okay, la primera sobre el impacto de los jóvenes. No, bueno, sí, yo no, no escribí un uh, yo, sí, claro, mi intención era llegar a todos los públicos, ¿no? No solo a, a los jóvenes. Lo que sucede es que me daba cuenta que aún jóvenes que estudiaban en la UCA, en la universidad donde sucedieron los asesinatos, no sabían nada de los asesinatos, no, no, no sabían qué había pasado. Y entonces a mí me hacía mucha ilusión que, bueno, contar esta historia otra vez. Al principio fue difícil vender el libro en San Salvador, porque no lo querían las librerías, pero luego el libro, la verdad es que ha, ha ido muy bien. O sea, ha llegado a lo que yo pretendía. Y es una satisfacción, también una sorpresa, pero una satisfacción mucho más grande. So, um, well, um, my intention was actually to reach all types of audiences, not just the youth. It's just that I noticed that young students at the very same UCA, the Universidad Católica, didn't know about the murders. And that's why I wanted to tell the story again. At the beginning, it was very hard. It was very difficult to sell the book in El Salvador because uh, publishers and bookstores didn't want to carry the book. But um, eventually we did, and I think that I, I achieved my initial goal. Sí, bueno, hablé con muchísimas personas. En ese momento, ahora sería distinto, pero en el momento en que hice mi investigación, eh, no pude contactar con Lucía Serna. Ella vivía en California, y aunque lo solicité, pues no, no, no pude conseguirlo. ¿no? Ella no, no volvió a El Salvador. Eh, pero entrevisté a, a muchísimas personas, a los sacerdotes jesuitas, a gente que había conocido a Monseñor Romero, a gente que conoció a Rutilo Grande, eh, gente de la guerrilla, gente que había participado en la guerra activamente, bueno, can, una cantidad de, de personas, ¿no? No solo las personas que aparecen en el libro como personajes principales, John Sobrino, eh, Tojeira, muchas de esas personas, sino a, a muchísimas, a muchísima gente durante mucho tiempo, durante varios años en realidad. Um, 
I talked to lots of people during my my research, my investigations. I think that probably the situation would be different nowadays. But um, back then, I wasn't able to talk to Lucia Serna. I did ask to talk to her. She was in California. She actually never uh, went back to El Salvador. But I uh, didn't have the opportunity to talk to her. Um, I did talk to, as I said, lots of other people. I talked to Jesuit priests, uh, to uh, people that knew Monsignor Romero, Rotilio Grande. I talked to people who were involved in the guerrilla, who were actively involved in the war as well. So lots of people that are not necessarily the main characters depicted in the book, but I did talk to all of them. Could we have the microphone down here? There's a gentleman been waiting very patiently on the, on the end of the row here. Thanks. Uh, yes, I very much look forward to reading the novel. But, um, and I only uh, heard about it uh, this week. But I immediately thought of the Francisco Goldman, uh, the translation in English is The Art of Political Murder, about the, the assassination of the Guatemalan uh, bishop. And... Um, it's a factual account, but written by a novelist. And I wondered whether, uh, if you like, when you were writing the novel, there were any models, and whether, for instance, you'd, you'd read uh, that particular book. No, bueno, leí los documentos salvadoreños sobre el asesinato. El libro del señor Goldman no lo conozco, pero sí leí los bueno, la poca literatura que había sobre esto en, en El Salvador, ¿no? El informe de la Comisión de la Verdad, algún ensayo de una autora norteamericana que se me, no recuerdo el nombre ahora mismo. Eh, había poco, pero bueno, lo poco que tenía lo leí. Pero no me basé, mi modelo no fue ninguno de esos libros, puesto que eran o informes de comisiones o, o libros de ensayo. Así que no, no, me, no me basé en ninguno de ellos. Um... I did read lots of documents. Um, I do not know the book that you mentioned, Mr. Coleman's book, but I did read the very little literature available, um, such as the reports uh, by the Truth Commission or this American um, writer as well. Um, it's just that I couldn't have any of them as a model I could be basing my work on because all these literature were either essays or reports, not novels. Yeah. Um, it's, a it's a heavy subject. Um and before I forget, I just wanted to slightly lighten things by asking Jorge the, the Hello Magazine question, uh, which is, where were you when you discovered you won this prize? And, and, and how much of a shock was it? Bueno, justo llegaba de un viaje, no recuerdo dónde, y había llegado a cenar a la casa de un amigo. Y bueno, pues fue así. Y fue una experiencia preciosa, la verdad. Además, bueno, luego la Real Academia, que es algo ceremonioso, todos los académicos, fue, fue muy, muy bonito la experiencia. Sobre todo muy inesperado, porque realmente me sorprendió que me nominaran y luego no pensé jamás que en realidad pudiera ganar. Así que fue muy inesperado y una experiencia preciosa realmente yeah, muy a, emocionante you, you had a one in eleven chance of winning because this wasn't a short list it was a very long list so um, Jorge beat ten competitors to win this prize yeah. so I was um, coming back from traveling I don't really remember where but I was uh, going to a friend's house to have dinner with them um, it was indeed a wonderful experience, uh, especially at the Real Academia. There's all this uh, pomp and ceremony and all the academics. And it was certainly unexpected. I was surprised to be nominated. I was surprised when I won it. But it was indeed a very wonderful experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, do we have one last question? Can we just take, well, t just take one more if you don't mind. And then we've uh, slightly gone over our, our allotted time. But yes, your question. There's often a period after a country experiences something tragic, which is deeply existential. So either the country can heal and transform, and I'm thinking particularly the celebrations of the fall of the Berlin Wall um, this month, or it can reveal it's more structural and that actually tragedy continues and authoritarianism continues. Jorge, I'm interested to know, do you think that El Salvador can, can heal and transform Sí, 
o pasan por un periodo más de estructura de respuesta y demás, como por ejemplo pasó después de la caída del muro de Berlín. Uh -huh. ¿Usted cree que después de esa tragedia El Salvador va a poder sanar? Eh, yo a veces pienso que mi... ¿no? Muchas veces, cuando comencé a escribir esta serie de novelas que habla sobre mi país, trataba de responderme la pregunta, ¿cómo llegamos hasta aquí? ¿Cómo, cómo hicimos esto para convertirnos en, en, en la sociedad autodestructiva que somos? Y muchas veces pienso que no, que no hay una vuelta atrás para nosotros. Es un pensamiento pues, muy negativo, pero, pero hemos tenido esta clase de sociedad durante esta clase de sociedad violenta durante tanto tiempo que nada me hace pensar lo contrario ¿no? sobre todo porque no hay una verdadera intencionalidad de ir hacia las bases de los problemas eh, somos un país que se preocupa poco por la educación un país que se preocupa poco por la salud eh, no, no nos preocupamos lo suficiente por, por ir al origen de de toda esta problemática que no tiene 10 años, que tiene, en mi opinión, todo comienza en el 32 o, o un poco antes. ¿no? Entonces, mientras no, no lo comprendamos, mientras no hagamos eso, yo no veo de qué manera un país como el mío pueda salir de, de las dificultades en las que se encuentra. Eh, yo tengo 46 años y nunca he conocido un país en paz. Nunca he conocido un país de puertas abiertas. Todos los historias hermosas de Salvador eh, sobre cómo se vivía son del pasado entonces claro o sea es muy es muy difícil pensar de que podamos ir en otra dirección al menos de momento obviamente siempre tenés una esperanza siempre tenés una ilusión pero bueno yo lo veo así tal vez es demasiado negativa mi perspectiva pero pero lo veo así um... When I started writing this series of novels about my country, in a way I, I was trying to answer the question of how we got to where we were. How did we get to be such a self-destructive society? And I think that uh, maybe it's a little bit negative, but uh, I don't think there's a turning back. Um, because we've been such a violent society for so long uh, that I don't think that we can exist or be in any other way. Especially because, in my opinion, there is no real desire or real intention to address the root of the problem. So there's no uh, serious concern about education or healthcare or anything else that would address the roots of these problems that started, I think, in 1932 and still continue to this day. Um, so unless we do this, I don't think my country has any chance of actually moving forward. I'm 46 years old. And I've never known a peaceful, open-door country. I've only known this. And all the lovely stories about my country are stories of a long-gone past that we'll remember. So maybe I'm a little bit pessimistic, but I don't see... Actually, I would like to see, and I would like to have more hope, but I don't quite do. Yeah. Um, before we um, wrap things up, and before we show our appreciation of, of Jorge's presence here in the traditional manner um, I think given the subject matter of this book and the fact that we are in November and that we are approaching the 30th anniversary um, we should name the people who lost their lives that night and we should just take a moment to remember them mindful of, I was going to say a minute's silence there won't be silence with what's going on outside the door but the contrast between those people who have life outside that door and the people who gave their lives for others and those people were Elba and Selena Ramos Ignacio Ella Coria Segundo Montes Martin Barro Joaquín López y López, Amanda López, and Juan Ramón Moreno.
Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you to express your appreciation for our author here this evening? Thanks for listening. To find out more about London Review Bookshop events, visit londonreviewbookshop.co.uk forward slash events.